Welcome to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Hi, Lilla and Lauren. Thank you for joining Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Okay, so Lilla lives in Georgia. Yes. Lauren, tell us where you live. I live in Chicago. Like downtown Chicago-ish. Well, I'm about a mile from Wrigley Field, so I am on the north side of Chicago. I'm probably about 15 minutes by transit from uh, when the Mag Mile starts. This is my red flag. I tell people that I'm from Chicago, but I'm in the northwest suburb. I think it's Lauren who is the one who I think I know someone with. Let me just tell you. So I have an author friend who's a semi-neighbor, had no idea. She was like, I'm your town away. I was like, oh, gosh. Her name is Kim Auckland. Oh, yeah. Oakland? I know her, too. Auckland. Yeah. You we both, both. You know, bo- <laughs> Stop. Yes. Okay. <laughs> How do you know her? I have to ask. So she and I have a lot of, like, author friends in common, and we both uh, write YA. Um, although Tomorrow and Tomorrow is not YA, um, I have several YA novels. So we've kind of connected there. But she is a very nice person. I agree. I feel like Kim DM'd me when I, I said something about Tomorrow and Tomorrow or something, because we all know I'm a huge fan of that book. <laughs> um, and she's like, I love them. And I'm like, oh, stop. Wait, is this how it happened? Is this fate? Oh, I love that for us. Um, okay. Since we have two different authors on this podcast, I'm going to do the cliche and ask your favorite color, that kind of thing. But for the listeners, there's a reason they're here at the same time, by the way. They're, they're, they're not just random people who are like, let's do it together. There is a reason. There's a book involved. But before that, we'll have you guys introduce yourselves, which I hate doing as a person. But here we are. Lauren, go first. Tell me all about you. I am Lauren Emily Whalen. I, I live in Chicago proper on the north side. Um, I have several books out. I have three YA novels, two of which are reimaginings of Shakespeare plays through a queer teen lens. Um, I also write a lot of IP. Um, and the latest of that is a book called I Heart Jennifer Coolidge, which will be out with uh, Running Press, which is part of Hachette Publishing, in April of 2024. I believe it's April 2nd when that will be out. Um, but yes, the reason I am on the show today is, along with Lilla Lawson, I am the co-author of the new adult domestic horror novel, Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Okay, Lilla, your turn. I, I had to shut my mouth because um, <laughs> Tomorrow and Tomorrow is five out of five. Keep going. Well, I'm Lilla. I write historical fiction, horror, Southern Gothic, as well as nonfiction. I'm an essayist, write short stories and do the whole anthology thing. And I have five published novels that kind of run the gamut as far as genres go. In addition to my writing, I'm a historian and a genealogist, and I also work at a nonprofit. And I'm the ultimate music fangirl and nerd. This is going to be a great podcast. We're ready for it. Let's just start to roll on the back a little bit about the backstory of how you guys started writing together. Because Lilla, your website says you pretty much, like you said, to write whatever you want, which I actually have a question about later, too, because obsessed with that. That is that is the thing that I believe many people should do. But Lauren, you write 
queer YA books, and then Lila does the whole like historical fiction. So tell me, like, give me details, give me the tea of how you both met and decided we're gonna we're gonna write a book together. So we actually met in a like a comment forum for the sadly now defunct website Jezebel many many moons ago, and kind of struck up a friendship in the comments section. And we have always had a lot in common um, musically. So we sort of bonded over our love of Queen and Freddie Mercury, Joan Jett musicals, all of those things. And we've just always gotten along really well. And then we met in person, I think, in 2013 mm-hmm. and have just always kept in touch like over many different places um, online. And we sort of had similar writing journeys, kind of things like I, I believe Lauren was published first and then I came after and we I don't know, we've just always kind of followed each other's careers. We've always read each other's work, reviewed it, blurbed it, but we write very different. Um, mm-hmm. And at some point during the pandemic, when everybody was locked down and sharing voice notes, we got to talking about um, Shakespeare adaptations because Lauren is is very well versed in those. And I can't remember if it was her idea or mine, but somehow we got to talking about what if we did Macbeth? Because that's, you know, my personal one that I would want to do because, you know, I have a dark heart (laughs) and that's one that she had not done yet. And at first we were just kind of spitballing ideas, just kind of like a what if situation. And then it slowly started to actually come to fruition and we realized, hey, we're actually going to write this thing. So that's sort of how that happened. I want to ask Lauren this question, too, before we keep going. Lauren, do you have, since you have two Shakespeare retellings, do you have a list of Shakespeare that you want to keep retelling? So I don't have an official list. I will say, um, adding to the fact that we retold Macbeth, that is one I never thought I'd do because I am also an actor and I'm also a theater critic. And Macbeth is the Shakespeare play I've seen the most because it gets done a lot because everyone knows the story. So it sells tickets. So I have seen it in like a church basement I have seen it at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, where it was co-directed by Teller of Penn and Teller. I have seen so many productions of Macbeth. And like it it's one that never really crossed my mind until Lilla and I started talking about it. And I thought, you know, I don't I don't really want to do the typical like, you know, guy girl like thing like that but from the beginning we were like oh what if Macbeth were a Joan Jett type in an all-female rock band and again like like Lil said I can't remember who suggested what but I do remember once that was broached I was like well guess I'm redoing Macbeth now (laughs) um but this is my adult debut so this is my first novel for adults and so reimagining Shakespeare for an adult audience as opposed to a teen audience, that was also a whole different thing. And it was a really fun challenge along with the fact that like, I had never co-written with anyone before, um, much less someone in a different state. So that was, um, yeah, short answer, no long answer. I just rambled a lot. No, I think that Macbeth is something that, like you said, is so it's done a lot, which is not a bad thing. It's just oh, right. when, when you hear that idea, too, when you're an author, when you hear that idea, you're like, so if it sticks, you know, it's good. Right. Exactly. I do usually save like the book talk until uh, more in the episode, but I can't help myself. We're going to talk <laughs> about tomorrow and tomorrow. 
So Tomorrow and Tomorrow, written by Lilla Lawson and Lauren Emily Whalen, which obviously you're here. Thank you for being here. Like you said, it's marketed as um, Macbeth meets The Runaways, which Cherry Bomb is like me and my mom's song. So I understand. I love that already. So it's also in the new adult genre, which Lilla, you written only new adult or have you written any YA? I have not written YA. I've okay. written a couple of other new, I guess would be considered new adult. And I've done a couple of historical fiction novels for adults. Okay. So you guys had to like help each other out there. Yeah. <laughs> My Macbeth story. Here we go. Senior year, we, we read, what did we read? We read Beowulf um, in high school. Blech. Beowulf. <laughs> Sorry. I remember <laughs> one thing. I love that book, but I was like, what was I, 17? I don't remember anything of why I loved it. But we read Beowulf and Macbeth. Um, Macbeth, I have no idea what happened because um, I slept through that whole class. Why did I read Beowulf? have no idea. Macbeth, that's my fault. But it makes for a good story to tell because tomorrow and tomorrow I had no idea what was happening <laughs> because I'm, I don't remember Macbeth. It was literally just like a brand new story for me. I loved it. You are Shakespeare. Thank you. Hey. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I will tell you, um, I have a funny story. Um, so my mom was an English major. So like I knew about Shakespeare since I was a very little kid and um, she reads all my books, which which is a really lovely thing. But I just got home from babysitting my niece out in the suburbs and we were on our way this morning. My dad was driving us and my mom was like, so I'm reading tomorrow and tomorrow. Are there going to be murders? And I was <laughs> like, mom, it's Macbeth. And she's like, OK, yeah, there's going to be murders. And I'm like, yes, they're going Murder to most be foul, of course, Murder most foul. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so funny because it's like. I think you know the answer to that, <laughs> but I will tell you, spoiler alert. <laughs> I never, for some reason, read descriptions. Don't tell me why. Like, if you give me, like, two lines, I'm like, ugh, I'm in. So I never read descriptions. I don't know how Macbeth is written because I don't remember it. So this story was a wild ride for me, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> it was a five out of five star. Like, there's something about Tomorrow and Tomorrow where I'm like, I feel like I could write a blog post and, like, kind of do characters, plot, whatever. I was shook so much. Like my mouth dropped all the time. You're going to be super honest. There's murders. I loved it. It was just such a good, fun, fast read. Like I don't binge a lot. And if I tell you I binge something, good for you. I binge this. Yay. Amazing. This is why I'm like not a huge book reviewer because I just can't put like my obsessions into words. This is an obsession. This is just me rambling about it. Um, I do have a question about it though. I'm not going to keep gushing obviously you don't know why Macbeth but I know you both like the same kind of music why are you putting Macbeth and then like Joan Jett together like what was something that compared those two that you're like yeah perfect pairing well I mean, the obvious answer is just that we're both obsessed with Joan Jett so we yeah. found a way to make it work but also there were a lot of conversations between us about dynamics in not just music, but in the arts in general, whether that's theater or writing or music where women have a harder time of it. Um, and power dynamics really come to play with that, you know, the patriarchy and 
internalized misogyny. So I'm fairly certain we had conversations about like politics of the runaways and what those women went through when they were very, very young and impressionable. And just how we could adapt that to something like Macbeth. It's actually easier to make that comparison than you might think. That's just my two cents on it. What do you think, Lauren? I I mean, I think you summed it up very well. I will also add that like, I mean, Shakespeare is still done now and done all the time. I mean, I just saw Twelfth Night two weeks ago for a reason, because these experiences that he wrote about are so universal. I mean, we have all been betrayed by a friend or by someone we really trusted. We've all had to deal with power dynamics. Um, We've all had like very intense feelings that come with being in love. And um, Macbeth does a really good job of encapsulating just so many of those things in one like relatively short play. It's not that long of a play. And yeah, like Lilla said, like we, we love Joan Jett. We know the story of the runaways. I have been in the performing arts, like since a very young age, I've never been in a band, but uh, I've been in a lot of shows and in like theater troops. And I have seen these dynamics play out. Lilla's husband is in a band. Like we're both writers. Um, there is a ton of drama in the literary world. Um, every day. <laughs> every day. Um, yeah, once the idea kind of stuck, as you said, Megan, it was very, very easy to kind of plug in like, oh, what if, you know, what if the Lady Macbeth character was someone's boyfriend who wants to be the band manager and he's super ambitious because like we've all met that guy. And we've all met like the people who want to become famous at all costs. And we've also met the people who just like, like creating, like making music and like what they're doing. And oh, like we're making money. Great. So just kind of once the ball started rolling, the plot really fell into place very easily. And not just because it was, you know, rethinking Shakespeare, but just being able to plug in like modern elements it felt pretty straightforward. I think that's a dream for any author to like love something so much and have so much creativity about an idea that it falls into place. It was pretty great. That, yeah, yeah that's nice. <laughs> I don't know. We probably wouldn't have started the project if we thought it was going to be difficult, but it exceeded my expectations in Same. so far. It's just like how easy it was to write together, to come up with yeah. a schedule, to go over plot points with each other, even to change things. And like, I think we had very few criticisms for each other, but when we would push back on certain things, it was just very easy, seamless. Like I could not ask for a better, like co-author. Hard (laughs) saying. I interviewed one co-author duo and they said with their process is like one, one author like writes most of it and one edits did you guys just write both? Like, what was your process together? That um, was not it. <laughs> no. Wow. That's shocking to me. I mean, yeah. more power to anyone who could yeah. do it like that. Um, no, we we alternated. We we picked characters and wrote a view of those characters. And we alternated days for the most part with a little bit of wiggle room um, and just kind of took turns. We just yeah. invited different characters so that each one would have a different voice. Yeah, we also figured that 
if we kind of did it by character, that would be the easiest for just where the two of us were at. We're like, we can't go meet at a coffee shop. You know, we're not only in different states, but we had different like responsibilities. And, you know, Lila has a kid and just, you know, we came to that conclusion pretty quickly where it was like, why don't we alternate perspectives? And then honestly, it kind of fell into place, like who ended up writing what character. What did really help us was we wrote a full synopsis before we started the first draft, which I have never done for one of my books before I even start writing. But for us, it was very, very helpful because we knew where we were going plot wise. And then once we'd kind of banged out our first draft, we did like two full revisions You know, we had our Google Doc, we were just in each other's business, you know, this works great. I don't know if I would say it like this, you know, maybe we're repeating this part too much. And in the meantime, like we do voice messages back and forth, like every day, sometimes several times a day. And it just really came together. I had no idea what to expect with co-writing and just, yeah, 10-10, it was a dream. It was, it was really fun. I feel like a lot of authors, too, either say they are plotters or pantsers. And Mm -hmm. I think you can't be a pantser when you write together. Because you can't just sit down and start writing. You have someone else to think about, too. Oh, absolutely. I think, like, that was integral to our process, too. It was really nice to have a built-in beta reader, which is what you have when you co-write. Or at least in our case, like, we had that, which was awesome. But also, I mean... We had surprises definitely come up with characters and motivations and things like that. And that was really cool. Also, the thing with reimagining Shakespeare, especially with a play as well known as Macbeth, is you have to include certain things. Like, it's not Macbeth if you don't have the three witches, the three weird sisters. You know, I have definitely read or seen Shakespeare like adaptations or reimaginings when I'm like, Where's this character? Where's this plot point? You got to have that. You can't have Romeo and Juliet if they're alive at the end. That's not Romeo and Juliet. So with Macbeth, where we really started kind of hammering out the plot was like, what has to happen? And we just sort of sort of went from there. But it, it helped to have to have that structure and to then have that structure in our process, too. Yeah, I hate to admit it because I hate outlines and I hate synopses even Same. more. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I begged Lauren to do the synopsis. I'm I'm pretty sure I did. Um, but yeah, it was necessary being co-authors and also because like like she said, you cannot leave anything out. You have to follow the plot point. So sadly, we did have to do that. But I think it made me a better writer, like forcing myself to adhere so to too. an outline, even though I hate them. <laughs> I actually, for the, um, for I Heart Jennifer Coolidge, which I, I wrote that's out in April, like I had to give my editor an outline beforehand. And honestly, I hadn't thought about it before, but Lilla, I think you're right. I think our process like really helped me like, oh, okay, this is how you do it. Um, yeah, they also have a law degree. And so like just law school is nothing but outlines and I think I like called up that part of myself now that I think about it. It's the kind of thing where like on social media, you're like, I'm going to go work out for 30 days straight, but you're posting it to be accountable. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's exactly what happened. 
except with writing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see it. I can see it. And it does make you be accountable. And also cool. we had like a schedule that Lauren set up where we each had a day assigned to us. And so I wasn't going to miss a day. I wasn't going to be that person that missed the day, you know. I'm an admin by day and I feel like that really helped where I was like, I'll do a schedule for us. Yeah. Like knowing that someone else is counting on you. I mean, there's nothing that keeps you more accountable than that because yeah, it's like, like Lil said, I'm, I'm not going to be that person. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to let her down. So that was really great. And that like motivated us to keep going. Yeah. This is a dream team. I'm here for it. Thank you for including me here. Okay, so I have a question that kind of stems from Lilla doing my little research. You're going to be like, why are you asking this? So many people in the author community are indifferent about something called genre hopping, which many traditional publishers or authors are told to stick to one writing genre and that's it. Like that's like their whole thing. As a writer, me, who writes nonfiction, I was always afraid, I am always afraid to branch out to fiction because I'm afraid that people won't accept that I write different genres, that kind of thing. But I feel like with Lilla on your website too, you even put, um, I write tons of different things. You know, that's new to me to see. Authors I interview just say, I only write romance, right? Only write this, I only write this. But someone then also told me, if you read different genres, why can't you write them? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering in both of your opinions on a wild off question, should authors use a different pen name for genre hopping? Like, do you think that it's like, acceptable? Like, tell me your opinions on writing different genres of, you know, being an author. It's funny you say that because I was just about to to jump in and, and say, yeah, a lot of the authors that you might think are only writing on one genre or probably have multiple pen names and they're actually writing lots of different things because that's been my experience. I know mm-hmm. several authors who actually are writing many different things and they just have different pen names for each one. That's not an avenue I've ever taken, but I also, I don't really care <laughs> what people think about that just because I am a person who has many obsessions. I hyperfixate on things. And my writing is a direct result of that. And I've always associated with my writing and the things that I come up with, with whatever I'm hyper fixated on. And if I tried to pigeonhole myself to just one genre for the rest of my life, I probably wouldn't write anymore because I follow my passions and that's where the writing comes from. So I, I don't think I could even do it if I wanted to. Um, and also, I mean, I, I get that that's kind of a, a good piece of advice for someone who's trying to be very commercially successful, but that's not really my end game. And thank goodness, because, yeah, <laughs> I'm a poor struggling writer. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that people should do whatever they want to do. If there's a person who wants to only write romance, then that's great. But that's just not my path. I mean, I write historical fiction, Southern Gothic, horror. I write political essays. I write history stuff you know it's just I don't know that's just who I am I'm also a theater critic I have published creative nonfiction um in literary journals I don't know if I call myself a journalist but I write like freelance articles I review books for book page um the only time I've used anything resembling like a pen name is my first published fiction piece was um smut and I 
took my last name off of that. So occasionally you will see something written by Lauren Emily, and that is me. All my books are Lauren Emily Whalen. I, like Lilla, I follow my passions. I have always been somebody who does a lot of different things. Like I was a double major in college. I had a minor. I then got a law degree. And like I had a Bachelor of Arts in theater and communications with a minor in women's studies. And I got a law degree. I am now a corporate admin. Um, I have been a professional actor and performer. And I didn't think I could be a writer for a really long time um, because I thought writers had to be a certain way. I thought you had to have dark hair and be depressed and <laughs> write very serious things. And um, then I met writers who did not fit that mold at all. And I actually was just on a panel the other day um, at one of my alma mater universities. And I said, like, being a writer can look however you want it to look. And that's physically, that's also genre and what you want to write because I wouldn't change any of it. Oh, um, I also have a children's book coming out for an educational publisher about the actress Margot Robbie. So like, I kind of go where it takes me and sometimes I go where I'm getting paid and no regrets. Yep. I feel the same way because I think as people who are very creative, um, us three here, if we do something, if I drink my water so much or whatever, for example, I'm going to get bored of it and I'm not going to be happy at the end. Right. I feel like also that mindset is starting to kind of fade. I, I feel like I'm seeing more authors now who are willing to dip their toe in and try new things slowly, but surely things are changing and people are realizing you don't have to pigeonhole an author into just one genre forever and ever. And we see that even with prolific authors like Stephen King, you know, he writes horror, historical fiction, fantasy, he's written nonfiction, you know, he's just the first one I can think of, but there's, there's so many of them out there. It makes me feel good about myself. One thing. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Both of you have a turn because I am invested in both of you. What is next for each of you? So any upcoming books you plan to write together or separately? Like, tell me, tell me the tea. Tell me everything. Um, gosh, I'm in the middle of writing something now, uh, drafting a novel that takes place in 1920s Atlanta. Uh, it's called The Vamp. And you can make of that what you will. Um, it's about three quarters of the way done. But I just started a new job where I'm working 40 hours a week. So I don't have as much time to write as I once did, but we're getting there. Um, and then I have a story coming out in an anthology, a, a ghost story that's actually an anthology based on the music of Neutral Milk Hotel, who is like an Athens staple. And yeah, that's that's what I've got to announce for now, but there will be more forthcoming. So in my case, um, I actually just had a meeting today about a project I'm working on that I actually cannot talk about. Um, but I hope to be able to talk about it someday. Yeah, I have I Heart Jennifer Coolidge, A Celebration of Your Favorite Pop Culture Icon, coming out April 2nd, 2024, and it is available for pre-order. Um, and I have the Margot Robbie children's book coming out, um, and that's part of like a celebrity bio kids book series. And yeah, you know, I have been thinking more and more, I would really like to write a novella, which I have never done before. You know, that's one of the first times I've said that out loud. I'm putting it out there now. 
<laughs> now you have to do it. <laughs> exactly. That's like speaking it into existence. Now I have to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think I could ever, I think Lila feels the same. Like we can't ever really stop, you know? No, like, no. Sometimes I wish I could. Same. Like, stop. And yet I don't stop. So. Same. <laughs> I just took on another assignment today and I was just like, Lauren, you said you were taking December off and it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I feel that in my personal life and everything in between. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Lila Lawson, Lauren Emily Whalen. Thank you for coming on Megan's Bookish Life podcast. You are a dream team and I am just honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for listening to Megan's Bookish Life podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.